Welcome to Youth Radio. I'm your host tonight, Diana Barron-Moore. And I'm Kyle Ferris. This week is our special Halloween and Dia de los Muertos episode. We intend to entertain you with a roundtable conducted by Lucia discussing our views and experiences with both these holidays. And to creep you out with a piece about a squeaky door that says, Help me! But in the meantime, we have some exceedingly sinister music from our inordinately cheery music host, Michael. Thank you, Diana. To start things off tonight, we have the musical retelling of a very creepy story. On a dark and stormy night, or maybe not, La Llorona drowned her children to get back at her boyfriend. Maybe not the best way of doing things, but when you're a little insane, you can't really help it. To top it off, she drowned herself in the ditch. Some stories say that she's forbidden to enter heaven without her children, so she wanders the ditches looking for unsuspecting victims to take with her. Good thing you're inside listening to the song La Llorona by Lila Downs, aren't you? La Llorona? Don't go wandering the ditches on Halloween. Or any night for that matter. Hopefully our hosts haven't been spirited away by the troubled ditch mother. As you're probably aware, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos are coming to town. In honor of these wonderful holidays, we held a roundtable to talk about our thoughts concerning both. Hello friends, today some of us at Youth Radio will be discussing various topics involving death, Halloween, and Dia de los Muertos. So stay tuned for some tricks, treats, and frights. With me in this wonderfully drab dungeon that we are broadcasting from is Paula Castillo, Kyle Ferris, Diana Barron-Moore, Michael Harley, and I'm Lucia Martinez. So, I guess, first of all, who in here celebrates Dia de los Muertos? I celebrate Dia de los Muertos. And Diana, do you? A little. (laughs) And I understand that Kyle and Michael do not. (coughs) No. I made masks for it, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So, did either Diana or Paola know anything about the history of Dia de los Muertos? Um, What I know about it is that there were traditions of honoring people's dead ancestors um, that were here with the Mesoamerican Indians uh, before the conquistadores came. And... When they came, they were constantly trying to convert people to Christianity. And so they combined that holiday that was already there with their All Saints Day um, to form what is now known as Dia de los Muertos. Thank you. How about you, Para? Well, I know that, like Diana, that it was, um, it originated in Mexico with the Mesoamerican Indians, and it was like a way for them to like, um, how do I say it, like give respect to the people that were already dead, to like tell them, oh, you're not dead, dead, you still like live with us, you know, your spirit still live with us. And when the conquistadores came, they saw it as a rather evil thing that they would do that. They thought it was like so weird that they dressed up as calaveras or like skeletons, and they were like, dancing around and eating so much and like doing these things for people that were like dead 
So they like didn't like that, and like Diana said, they were trying to convert everyone to Christianity, and they combined it. So it was natural. It was supposed to be by the end of summer, Dia de los Muertos, but then they moved it up to like November first and November second, and it's two days because like the first day is Ange- El Dia de los Angelitos, and the second one is Dia de los Muertos, and Dia de los Angelitos is a day when they like. There's a lot of infants that die when they like are instantly born they just die or when they they're barely like four months old or like some months old and they and they die so um that's a day for the people to like you know like honor them because they were angelitos like little angels they never lost their innocence they were never they never did bad things or anything so they take in little toys and everything so that's what i know okay and do either of you have a personal experience with Los, Ante- Los Dia de los Angelitos? Me. Well, this is Paola, and I had an experience because um, I have two aunts that had babies, and they died. as to, Like, one day after they were born, they died. So they were angelitos to us, and we buried them, and every year we take toys to them and food and things that we think that they might have liked or things they, like, their moms like so they think that their kids liked so that's what we do it's like a way of saying you know you're still with us as little angels guarding us and you know you're there okay thank you for sharing your personal experience you're welcome so diana how do you well how do both of you celebrate the los muertos let's start with diana um well this last year i went to the marigold parade in the south valley uh which is pretty much a really big congregation of people with calaveras on, uh, which is skull faces. And um, after that, there's food and dancing and various festivities, and it's super fun. Um, And, you know, eating pan dulce. (laughs) That's about it. Okay, how about you, Paula? Well, I celebrated different ways, like different times, but for the last two years I've celebrated by going down to Mexico and there we go to the cemetery and like the whole family goes and we take like colorful flowers, they're so beautiful and everything, and then we put them on their graves and we take food and we eat there and like we take a moment of silence and we pray for them and tell them, you know, you're still with us, we still, like our homes are still for you, are there for you and you know, we still love you. You're not dead for us. And then we go home and we eat some more. And then after that, like when it starts getting dark, we go to the Matachines dance dancers. We go see them. It's um, the Matachines dancers are just people that dance like in colorful outfits, and it's a way for them to, you know, like dust. It's sort of like the Azteca dancers. And uh, well, we see them dance, and sometimes we even get to dance with them. <laughs> And then, like, at 12 a.m., they t- they, this lady comes out, and she's all like, oh, it's menudo time. It was so happy, menudo. And then mm, everybody eats menudo. An hour later, it's menudo time again. Everybody's happy again. But, like, two hours later, it's menudo time again, and uh, uh, nobody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, we still have to eat it. And, like, at 5 a.m., we everybody goes home after we prayed, we danced, we ate. And... We sleep a lot, still remembering <laughs> our, the people that are dead. And at school sometimes, like last year, we made um, sugar skulls, 
and we put the names of the people that passed away on their foreheads. So I made a sugar skull for my grandma and then one for my great grandma, put their names on the foreheads and then I and then I went down to Mexico and I put them on there where they were buried and that's how I celebrate it. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Uh, this is Lucia. Uh, the way that I celebrate Dia de los Muertos is um, some. I make a. Me and my mom make altars for our dead relatives or dead ancestors. And sometimes just for one, sometimes for more, usually just for one. And the way we make the altar um, is we like have a big. We're not always big, but we have a picture of our ancestor. And then we kind of just put little. I don't know. Things around it. <laughs> kind of. Um, and then we have a food offering. So it's just kind of like a spiritual, it's just another spiritual offering place other than going to their cemetery, the cemetery where they were buried. And sometimes I go to the Marigold Parade. Um, so now let's move on to Halloween. How do you guys celebrate Halloween? Well, I'll go first. This is Michael. Um, I love Halloween personally. I've loved it every year since I've, started doing that. I dress up every year. I uh, Most of the time I still go trick-or-treating. I don't know if I'll be doing that this year because um, uh, my friends and I are very, very busy this Halloween. Of all things, it's on a Tuesday night, which is ridiculous. Um, but And sometimes I stay home and give the kids candy, which is just as fun because sometimes you get some really neat groups that are just so sweet. And um, the reason I still enjoy trick-or-treating isn't really for the candy. That's a bonus, obviously, but it's also for just being with friends and because uh, I go trick or treating with some of my really good friends and just go walking around the neighborhood and it's fun to just dress up and be somebody you're not for a night. It's <laughs> great. How about you, Diana? Um, well, I also still trick or treat. I figure you can trick or treat until you're as old as 84. Um, anyone who wants you should be able to, I think. And I love dressing up. I think that's one of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> so uh, an excuse to do that and not be laughed at is always good. <laughs> I've done everything from butterflies and witches to eight balls. And uh, most memorably, at the age of four, I was a fairy princess unicorn, <laughs> complete with a crown that had a uh, horn protruding from the side of it. Uh, it kind of looked like I had some sort of weird growth on the side of my head, but I liked it, which was all that counted. Um, I enjoy Halloween. I think it's one of the best holidays out there. It's great. How about Kyle? How does Kyle celebrate Halloween? <laughs> um, I don't really. I used to when I was little, but for the past four some odd years, I've just, I've, I've not really found the... Uh, the appeal great enough anymore. Why not? Well, I just think, you know, if I want candy, I can go and go to the store and buy some. And if I want to hang out with my friends, I do that on another time. I mean, it's a, it is a Tuesday this week after all, like Michael said, which for high school slash college students means we have to do homework. But you don't find any pleasure in dressing up? Not particularly anymore. Okay, thanks. Yes, Paula, how do you celebrate Halloween? Well, I celebrate Halloween because of my little brothers. Well, I used to do it because, I mean, I was a girl, a little girl one time. <laughs> Still a girl, but 
not that little anymore. <laughs> and um, I also I also love dressing up because I'm a really dramatic girl, and I dress up as everything. Well, actually, you know what? Last year, no, the year before that, I drew. What did I dress up like? Oh, I dressed up like a construction guy that was overweight and that had <laughs> an overwhelming mustache. Must must mustache. And um, I don't know. It was just so funny because people thought I was like this guy, and that was weird. And they they shut the door on my face. And <laughs> 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 oh well, I mean, I like doing that. It's just so funny. And of course, I love the candy. I mean, I'm such a sweet tooth. And it's free after all, Kyle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get paid that much. <laughs> and, then you got um, those weird people who slip thing, who slip strange powders into pixie sticks. Well, I don't eat pixie sticks. I'm all about chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And um, well, I love it. And also, last year I didn't dress up because I don't know. I just didn't feel like it. And I took out my little brothers to trick or treat. And like Diana, I also believe that you can trick or treat even until you're like 85. I mean, people will shut the door on your face and will throw candy at you, but you still can do it. I mean, it's okay. But yeah, that's how I celebrate Halloween. Oh, that's great. Okay, um, this is Lucia. The way that I celebrate Halloween, well, actually, Halloween has been my favorite holiday for as long as I can remember. Because ever since I was like two, I think, I I was I'm dramatic like Paula, but. But I, um, I've loved playing dress up, and I still do. Don't laugh, but I do. Even and when I was little, like, like my biggest memory is like having people over and we would dress up as different fairy, strange princess, and even like evil monster thingies sometimes. And I like even when it's not Halloween, when I go to school, I'll, like dress up kind of after something, just when I'm bored. It's just the way I am. And so on Halloween, I can go way far out and do whatever I want, and nobody can, like, really laugh or whatever at me, like Diana said. So I just love it. It's awesome. Plus, you get free candy. Uh, yes, Kyle? This is Kyle. I, part of the lack of appeal for Halloween for me is also last year when we had our world history class, and uh, our teacher, Brian, uh, taught us the origin of most holidays commonly celebrated nowadays, which at which point we learned that Halloween was a pagan holiday originally that the Christians corrupted to absorb more pagans into the Catholic fold during the Middle Ages as a power play in Europe. And after that, I was just kind of like, oh, that's really, really nice. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that knowledge. Well, you know, they're all pagan or hallmark anyway, so <laughs> what are you going to do? Thank you, Michael. Okay, um... So does anybody, I know Diana and Paula kind of shared some um, costume, some po costumes that they've worn before, but is there any great memorable costumes that you guys have worn in the past? Michael? Uh, <laughs> um, I think last year was probably my best costume that I've made. I was really proud of it because I took so long to make it and I made it all by myself. And that was uh, Dodger. The uh, dog from Walt Disney's Oliver and Company, probably one of their least popular films, but I love it. And um, I nearly won the school costume contest, but I lost to a cow. <laughs> we still haven't figured out how that one and, <laughs> and I'm not saying that as an insult. I literally <laughs> lost to a cow. 
Um, also, probably in the past, some of my favorite costumes, I've been the Monopoly Man. Um, I've been uh, the, uh, the Count from uh, Sesame Street when I was really little. My parents kept telling me I was Dracula, and I said, no, I'm the Count, and then I'd count. And, <laughs> and um, been Mickey Mouse and Raggedy Andy. That was a really neat costume. So I've had some pretty great costumes, and I think um, what really inspired me to make my own costumes is that when I was little, my mom would always make these crazy costumes that I requested, and she'd, do, she'd go all out. And um, so it really inspired me to make my own. I love compiling things from the house, getting things from Goodwill. You, can get, you, can, you don't have to spend a lot of money to make a really great costume. I don't know what's going to happen this year because I just haven't had time to put one together. I've had ideas floating around. I was thinking of either uh, Goofy or Scar from The Lion King or Tramp from Lady and the Tramp or The Beast from Beauty and the Beast, but I can't decide which one. Okay, well, well, when the time that I dressed like a overweight construction man, it was so funny because I used, instead of using a bag to collect my candy, I used a lunch bag. And it was so funny because, I don't know, people just look at me so weird. They were like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and then it was just so funny because, like, after two houses, it got full. And then I went and emptied it, emptied it to the back of my truck. And it was so funny. And, oh, yeah, one year I was, um, I was a girl from the 60s that had weight problems. I don't know. I just like being weird people. That's just me. Dramatic Paula. Being weird people who have weight problems. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I'm skinny and I want to be fat or something. I don't know. She just <laughs> likes putting pillowcases in her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, we all know that death is in, uh, an aspect of Halloween and Dia de los Muertos. That's kind of... Um, it's just incorporated in it. So what are, you, what are your guys' perspectives on death? Paula? I think death, well, personally, I'm really, really, really scared of death. I, like, don't want to die ever. I know I have to die, but I just don't want to die. And, like, sometimes it's weird because I sit there in my room and I'm like, how would I rather die? Like, how would I like to die? I don't know if I would, like, get hit by a bullet or, like, drown or... But sometimes I just think of oldness. I don't know. That's the best way to die, I think. I don't know. And, well, the only time I really, like, celebrate death and, like, think about death, like, a lot is, like, Dia de los Muertos and Halloween. But that's, like, basically it. I don't like death, so. Michael? Um, as Albus Dumbledore, one of my heroes from the Harry Potter series, once said... Death is but the next great adventure. And I think that's a great outlook on death. I mean, personally, I am a little afraid of death because we don't know what's coming up next. And you can see all these movies with these theories and ideas and read all this literature about it. But there's no definite way of saying what will happen next. But um, I like to think there's a nicer place out there after we die. And... Um, I think I'll just keep thinking that way. It'll make it a lot easier. Oh, and something else to think about when you're answering this question is where do you think that you will go when you die? Okay. Kyle? 
Um, I don't really think about death all too much. I mean, I, I used to be a Christian, so I used to believe in a heaven. I never quite got the idea of a hell, but that never made sense to me. Now it just seems, though, you, you're born, you live, and you have to deal with life, so there's no real point in pondering, sitting here worrying about your death. You know, you're going to die someday. It's an inevitability. No one's cheated that fact. So in the interim, don't, I, I just don't think there's any point in letting it govern my actions. But I don't believe in an afterlife anymore. I don't think that there's anywhere that you're going to go. I mean, scientifically, the thing that makes up you are pieces of energy that run through neurons in your brain. When you die, those neurons scatter to the rest of the world. So essentially all that was ever you is just circling back through the rest of existence. Okay, how about you, Diana? Um, I don't know whether it's some sort of faulty uh, DNA in me, but I really don't have any sort of fear of death at all. Um, I figure it's inevitable, and when it comes, it's going to come, and there's nothing I can do about it. In the meantime, I'm going to eat lots of chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I always say this. I always say it. You can be healthy. You can go to those health food stores like Wild Oats, and I've never seen a person go through there with a smile on their face. But you can go through, and you can get all your healthy food, and then you might get hit by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I, I, like Diana, I'm not at all, or really at all, afraid of death. It's just, like Michael said, another adventure for me. And I like adventures, so yay. But when I die, I'll die. And I, I don't, I've never really understood the existence of hell or, like, why people think that it's there. But you can think whatever you want. But I do believe in heaven. And Michael, you can go. I'm pretty sure that when I die, I'm going to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Me then, too. And, oh Me three. And uh, next door, Me I'll four. have my own personal Disney park. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a plan set up. We're all going to Hogwarts. Yeah, we all go to Hogwarts. Okay, well, thank you for joining me for this wonderful group discussion. I am Lucia Martinez from KUNM Youth Radio. Now back to our hosts. Thanks to Lucia Martinez for conducting that roundtable about Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, and to Roman Garcia for engineering. Thanks also to our participants in that roundtable, Paula Castillo, Michael Harley, Cal Ferris, and me! That is, Diana Baron moore Now, Michael's going to scare us out of our minds with Phantom of the Opera or some other musical manifestation of horror. Unfortunately, Diana, we have no music from the Phantom's Lair tonight. If you want that, you might consider contacting Pope Joy. If you've ever read the Harry Potter series, you know the students of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry love Halloween. After all, they are wizards and witches. The Weird Sisters, a famous wizarding band, performs at Hogwarts in the fourth installment of the Potter series, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. In the film adaption, members of British bands Pulp and Radiohead were enlisted to play the Weird Sisters and wrote their own music for the segment, performing three whole songs. The strangest tune from the bunch was probably Do the Hippogriff, a frightening yet oddly catchy rock reference to creatures of the Harry Potter universe. Here's the Weird Sisters with Do the Hippogriff. Are you 
So, can you do the hippogriff? Well, if you haven't read any Harry Potter books, probably not. Oh well, maybe our host can do the hippogriff. Take it away, you two. No Halloween show would be complete without some sort of ghost story or another. So now we bring you the book. The creepy story of a door that says, Help me. I bought the house from my parents when they moved to Florida. They were given the home by my grandparents, my mom's mom and dad. It had been in the family a long time. The pantry door squeaked. It was always a bit of a mystery because no amount of oil or grease would make it go away. Well, maybe for an afternoon, but it would return by the night again. We tried everything. Crisco, axle grease, motor oil, hemp, vegetable, mineral oil, brill cream even. Always the same result. Before bedtime, help me was back. I say help me because that's what it sounded like. Help me. Help me. It sounded like a real voice, but far, far away. It squeaked when you opened it, it squeaked when you closed it. Help me. Help me. My parents lived with that squeak their whole lives. I remember it from as early as I have memories. My parents brought me home to that house after I was born. My family all knew it was hopeless to solve, but it became an on-again, off-again game. My mom and dad would each rush to best the other. They'd bet on it, even. Dad would do laundry for a week, or mom would mow the lawn for a month. Once, dad took the hinges off and soaked them in Coca-Cola for a week, and then in motor oil for a week, and they put them back on. By the next morning, the squeak returned. My mom tried spraying the hinges every day with WD-40, right before she opened it, and right before she closed it. After two cans, she gave up. Then they'd forget all about the challenge for months or years. They started it back up when Dad discovered graphite powder or Mom saw an infomercial for CLM. Finally, they retired, moved to Florida, and sold the house to me. My wife Yvonne and I went after the problem with gusto. I knew better, but she was my new bride and I wanted her to be happy. My parents and I had been calling the cupboard, help me, for years. Where's the tinfoil? Someone would ask me. Help me. Where's the spare bottle of ketchup? Help me. I had gotten used to the squeak. It was part of the family. Yvonne said I had to do the laundry for the week if she found the solution first. We tried all the normal methods, oil, Crisco, grease. She thought petroleum jelly would work, and one time tried KY jelly. We asked at antique shops to see if they had similar hinges. We wanted to replace them, but we loved the way they looked. No one had ever seen such a design, long fingers of metal stretching around the doors if a bony hand were holding it, turning at the wrist. They'd offer to buy them from us if we wanted, though, and for a goodly sum. Eventually we did. Yvonne tired of help me. It was creepy, she said, like a voice we will regret not helping. We bought modern hinges and rehung the old oak pantry door from them. Help me was back by supper. The next day we ordered a new door. It was the weight of the door, my father assured me over a phone call from Florida. The weight of the door caused a squeak, so replace it. We measured the pantry entrance and I had a woodcutter cut a new door out of cherry. It was a beautiful door, and Yvonne gasped when she saw it. The price we were paid for the antique hinges covered the cost of the new door, and we put it up, confident of finally solving the problem. My mother said we'd copped out, that the squeak was a challenge. I went to bed wondering if I'd missed the sound. I prayed to God that night to thank him for making my life so easy that I could miss the sound of my pantry door squeaking. By morning, it was back. Help me. Yvonne began to get nervous. It was, it was too weird, she said. It was only a squeak, I said. No, it's a cry for help, she said. I laughed and told her it was not a cry for help. But maybe you thinking it was a cry for help is a cry for help. 
She demanded we bring in a contractor to see if we could shore up the door frame. It was the heavy door moving the wood on the frame around it. Didn't work. The stairs above? No. The floor? The contractor tapped around and said, Hey, it is the floor. He pulled up a couple of boards, and right in the center of the pantry was a hole. He shined his flashlight down and said, Hey, there's another hole. I went and got my ladder because the contractor didn't have his with him. We shoved it down the hole and we both climbed in, the contractor and me. Yvonne wouldn't go near it. She said she didn't want to know what was down there, in the help me hole. The first room, the contractor called it a chamber, was empty, circular, and made of stone. The walls were stone, the floor was stone, stone like a medieval dungeon, rough and blocky. There were no corners and it reminded me of a medieval turret. Seeing one room was enough for me. I went up the ladder and called my dad, who said he knew nothing about it. Then he cut short our conversation and said he had a tea time to make. The contractor continued into the next soul, and it turns out into another. There were three chambers in all, the first of stone, the second of polished inlaid stone, and the third and lowest, wood. Big old chunks of timber, said the contractor, beams across the top, planks at the bottom, thick sanded and worn with use. He tried to dig up the floor of the third chamber, but couldn't find an easy way to pry up the boards and didn't want to damage the beautiful woodworking. In this third chamber, he said, there were scratches on the wall, scratches everywhere, scratches that formed words, but not words he'd seen before. He described it all to me over a coke after he came out of the hole, but he had this slightly deranged look about him. When I invited him to go back down with a stronger light, he said he had to be going and walked out to his truck and drove away. He left behind his bucket of tools and never returned for them. After that day, Help Me was joined by knocking. It was faint at first. By the time I understood that I was hearing knocking, I realized it had been going on for a long time, but it had been so faint that it didn't break all the way into my conscious mind. The knocking grew louder, and we named it Knock Knock. We had Help Me and Knock Knock living with us. We made up jokes during the day, but at night, We'd be frightened, sometimes thinking, what if it's not the furnace? At night, knock-knock didn't seem much like a joke at all. The knocking pushed my curiosity over my fear. My wife thought we should pour a truckload of cement down the hole and be done, but I wanted to visit that third chamber. It took more courage than I had, so we invited a bunch of friends over for a party, and I went down. I wanted to have a house full of fun-loving guests because it seemed like nothing bad happens to housefuls of people having fun. I found what the contractor had found, and something he had not. I found a book. I was in the third chamber, inspecting the writing on the wall. It was very quiet, sixty or seventy feet below my house. I couldn't hear the minor party going on overhead. I could hear my own breathing, and my headlamp hummed. I startled several times at the sound of my own feet shuffling on the floor. It was entrancing. Mostly the writing the contractor described were scratches, etches deep into the wood, and some shallower ones on top, trying to rub out the deep scars. The deeper scratches danced eerily to the right and left of me, the light of my headlamp casting shadows that moved when I moved. Sometimes the scratches came together in strange forms. None were English words, but they were beautifully spelled. I looked around for a utensil, something to scratch with, a stick, a bone, a chip of rock. I looked down, and at my feet I found a book. I was nearly standing on it. I had not missed it before. I'm not stupid. There was no book in there when I first arrived. 
I had dropped off the ladder and inspected the walls, ceiling, and floor. I didn't want to be surprised by something, a spider, a rat, or... It was when I yelled up to my wife and party guests that I found a book that the knocking resumed, and with vim. It came from just on the other side of the wall, right next to me. I stuffed the book into my waistband and frantically set to climb up the ladder to the second chamber. The knocking chased. When I got to the second chamber, the hollow wrapping on wood turned to a vacant tapping on stone. I had just the one ladder. To get to the bottom, you'd drop the ladder down, then climb down, then drop it into the next hole and climb down into it. To get out, you would have to do it in reverse. And it took a long time. Tap, tap, tap. I almost dropped the ladder pulling it out of the third chamber, and it collapsed once as I climbed up into the first chamber. I fell hard and was momentarily pinned against the stone wall. The tapping was in my ear, and I could hear, help me, which I had no intention of doing. Finally, after several more misstarts, I made it to the top, pulled out the ladder hand over hand, and at an angle so as to get it out the pantry door, but not to scratch the enamel on the refrigerator. I looked around for my friends, to tell them what I found, but nobody was around. Glasses and bottles lay scattered like a bomb went off, and the driveway was empty save for two cars that seemed to have collided during the getaway. Their bumpers were stuck together, and their cars abandoned by their owners. Even Yvonne was gone. I was anxious to read the book I found, so I sat at the kitchen table and read the first page. I should have stopped there. The book was leather-bound, handwritten, and the paper was thick and rough. There were blotches of some sort of ink on some pages and smears on others. Half of the pages were empty, and only half of those were legible. I thought it might be worth some big money, so the Saturday morning after I finished it, I dropped it into a Ziploc freezer bag and drove down to an antique bookstore to ask them about it. I swear I set it on the passenger seat right next to me. But when I arrived at the store, it was gone. I searched everywhere, and finally just went home thinking that maybe I just dropped it on the driveway. When I got home, I searched high and low and finally discovered it on my wife's nightstand, where I'd left her an hour before, sleeping in after a long week. She wasn't there. I looked all over the house, and then in the hole, because I knew what that book said. I called out for her, but heard nothing in return. I dropped the ladder into the first chamber, crawled down, and looked into the second. Nothing. I was too scared to drop into the second or third chamber, so I started back up the ladder. Time to call the police. That's when the phone rang. I was tense, and the sudden ringing startled me. I fell from the ladder and threw to the second hole down into the second chamber. I don't remember picking it up, but I held the book in my hand and clutched it to my chest instead of grabbing for the ladder. The second chamber is about twice my height with polished stone walls too slick and too far apart to climb. The ladder remained above in the first chamber. I could see the light from that chamber, the one with the ladder, just below the hole in the pantry. I hadn't had time to grab my headlamp during the desperate search for my wife. I have already read the book, and I know what it says about the second chamber, and the third chamber, right below me. I can't see into the third chamber. It is too dark. I am fearful of the sounds the book describes. I pray to hear the phone, the doorbell, of my wife returning home. I just want to hear a normal sound. The quiet is quite queer. Every few minutes I call out, help me, but my voice sounds distant and tiny even to me. I rap on the stone, but it's hard to make a sound without a rock or stick. While I was sleeping, someone came and closed the pantry door and dimmed the pantry light. Now it's dark all over, above and below. I hope someone finds this book and reads it. 
I can't see in the dark. I hope the blood is legible. It's hard to write in blood. We hope that you are sufficiently terrified now and that you won't ever be able to go into your pantry again. What music are you going to follow that with, Michael? Well, Kyle, continuing our theme of all things musical and creepy, next we have Ozo Motley, a group dedicated to cultural awareness. Here they are with their culturally infused Cumbia de los Muertos. Bar. How does he do it? My dear boy, do you ask a fish how it swims? No. Or a bird how it flies? No. No, sir, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. That was The Candyman, the joyous ballad of Willy Wonka and his mission to rot out the teeth of all children in the world. Be careful you don't pick up too many Wonka bars this Halloween. Before that, you heard Oso Matli with Cumbia de los Muertos. And now, back to our frightening host. <laughs> and now it is the time that you have all been waiting for. The Calendar with Paola. Hello, I'm Paola, your calendar host for this week. We have several events to announce this week, in which you can find some laughs, spooks, and of course, some knowledge. First, upcoming Dia de los Muertos celebrations. The Dia de los Muertos celebration at El Museo Cultural Center in Santa Fe will be held on Friday, November 3rd at 7 p.m., featuring musica, poesia, y danza. Presenting Danza Merchica, Jimmy Santiago Baca, Grupo Norte Sur, Angelo Jaramillo, Masatra Galindo, and Valerie Martinez. For more information, you can call 992-0591. The 14th annual South Valley Dia de los Muertos celebration and Marigold Parade will be held on Sunday, November 5th from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Westside Community Center located at 1250 Isera Southwest. After the parade, there will be music, poetry, food, altars, and vendors. For more information, you can call 244-0120 or 344-4028. Dia de los Muertos at El Camino Real International Heritage Center on November 1st from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. There will be a slideshow lecture and workshops by Catalina Delgado Trunk, storytelling by author Nazario Garcia, video presentations, refreshments and viewing of Dia de los Muertos altar, altar installation. For m- more info, you can call 854-3600 or you can go to www.elcaminoreal.org. And now for some Halloween events. <laughs> Sunday School Boo at the Ye- Yale Art Center, located at 1001 Yale Southeast, will be held tonight, Sunday, October 29th. Doors open at 8 p.m. 
There will be poetry readings, local bands, beatboxers, and more. You can call 242-1669 for more info. Halloween in Old Town. With witches and pumpkins, angels, and scary clowns. Dia del Dolce is for custom adults, kids, and puppies too. Tuesday, October 31st from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. The pet parade around the plaza starts at 6 p.m. And there will be plenty of treats. More info available at 768-3556 or at www.cabq.gov slash CRS or www.albuquerqueoldtown.com. The UNM Sustainability Forum and Bike Albuquerque are planning a Halloween costume bike ride through Albuquerque. This event plans to raise awareness of cleaner means of transportation and sustainable living, and of course, for fun. The event will also benefit Futures for Children, a local charity. On Halloween night at 7 p.m., the ride will meet up at Triangle Park on the corner of Monte Vista and Central. Prices will be awarded for best costume, best dress bike, and most sustainable slash recycled costume. More info is available at www.bikeabq.org. And finally, some miscellaneous events and educational opportunities. Frank Chuiwi and his Latin Jazz All-Star Band will appear Wednesday, November 1st, 2006 at the Chemo Theater at 7 p.m. Lo Maduro de la Cultura and Department of Cultural Services City of Albuquerque and the Chemo Theater present the fest Festival de Otto featuring Albuquerque music legend and pianist Frank Chuiwi and his Latin Jazz All-Star Band. Tickets available at the Chemo Theater box office at 433 Central Avenue or through Ticketmaster. More information is available at 768-3522. The Hispano Roundtable of New Mexico announces the Hispano Roundtable Scholarship for students entering first year of college or first year of graduate school. Scholarships are awarded based on character, personal merit, and commitment. Merit is demonstrated through leadership in school, civic and extracurricular activities, academic achievement, and motivation to serve and succeed. The deadline is January 8, 2007. More information is available at www.hrtnm.org. The Southwest Organizing Project is starting up their music program. Their donation drive for guitars and other instruments such as drums, percussion, winds, strings, and electric basses will be held from now until December. Classes for children, youth, and adults will start in January. Swap prefers working instruments in good condition, but will accept broken ones to fix up. They are also looking for song ideas and music teachers. Instruments can be dropped off at 211 10th Street Southwest, Albuquerque, New Mexico. More information is available at www.swap.net or at 247-8832. And that's all for our calendar. If you have any events that you would like us to announce on Youth Radio, you can email them to us at youthradio at kunm.org. And now back to our hosts. We hope you enjoyed yourself. I certainly didn't. Diana just shared with me her opinion of the best way to die involving gluing your hands to your head, strapping a piano wire to your neck, setting yourself on fire, and jumping off a building into a large puddle of gasoline. Well, Michael stuck eerie Phantom of the Opera-type music in my head, so we're all suffering. It's not my fault. Let's just get on with the credits, then. Fine. Our industrious producer tonight is Lucia Martinez. Our creepy ray of sunshine of a music host is Michael Harley. Our knowledgeable calendar host is Paula Castillo. 
Thanks to Hans Anderson from Corpus Christi, Texas for the book. I wonder if he's still in that hole. Thanks to Lucia for conducting the roundtable, Roman Garcia for engineering it and editing it, and to all our participants, Paula, Kyle, Michael, and me, Diana. Others in the Youth Radio Collective are Mars Chalan, Avikar Lucky, Phil Riley, and Jaron Kai. Our fully grown specimens of helpful adultness are Marcos Martinez, Roberto Rael, Roman Garcia, Elizabeth Dwyer, and Steve Emmons. I'm your host, Kyle Ferris. And I'm Diana Baron Moore. Remember, if you want to hear any of these or previous segments on Youth Radio, visit our website at kunm.org slash youthradio. Next up is Spoken Word, but first, here's Michael with our final bit of music. Kyle, seriously, it would be cool to die that way. Sure. Keep telling yourself that, Diana. To close things up, we've got a show-stopping number from Stephen Sondheim's eerie fairy tale, Into the Woods. In the second act... Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, Jack of the Beanstalk fame, and a baker have survived the rampage of a giant only to find that they're blaming each other for the problems they've each faced and the many fairy tale characters who have been killed off earlier in the show. They end up tracing all their problems to the witch from Rapunzel, played by Bernadette Peters. She decides that it's the final curtain for everyone, or as she likes to put it, the last midnight. It's because of you there's a giant in our midst and my wife is dead. But it isn't my fault I was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans. And without those beans, there'd have been no stock to get up to the giants in the first place. Wait a minute, magic beans for a cow so old that you had to tell a lie to sell it, which you told. Were they worthless beans? Were they all resold? Oh, and Tellus, who persuaded you to steal that gold? Is it your fault? No. So it's your fault? No. Yes, it is. It's not. It's true. Wait a minute, but I only stole the gold to get my cow back from you. So it's your fault? Yes. No, it isn't. 